Test. Okay, perfect. We're good. We're testing. We're yep. testing. Yep. Okay. We're golden. We are recording now, so okay. everything you say now is on record. Got you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, uh, Jesse. Thanks for being here today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cool. Uh, you know, like real quick, let's just give a quick introduction to yourself, what you do. Let's. Let's. Yeah. Well, my name is Jesse Ornelas. I uh, live here in Merced. I am a program manager with uh, Youth Leadership Institute. Uh, it's a nonprofit that I've been working for for almost six years now. And how long have you lived in Merced? Uh, in the city of Merced, I have lived here since I was 18, which was around 1994. Uh, left for a couple of years to Arizona, came back. Yeah, I, my family uh, originates from from Planada. Planada. Yeah, they've been in Planada since the early 1900s. Oh wow! Um, wow. You know, I was I was actually born in in Whittier, California. Lived there for my childhood and you know my family wanted to come back home and so we made our way back this way so so merced's your home yeah, like it's been definitely and so that's the, i guess that's the first real question like why is merced your home like that's so that's means the most interesting thing about why people stay here why they move here like yeah you know i get you know i i've i've had the opportunities to to do some work you know throughout the region you know, the Southwest and stuff. And people are always like, man, you live up there, you know, like, you know, cause they live in LA or the Bay area or San Diego or Phoenix or something like yeah. that. Right. And, and I'm like, yeah, well it, it's home. You know, my, my, my family's been here, uh, obviously for a very long time. And, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice and commitment that goes into it, you know, mm-hmm. um, having, you know, a, a family name, you know, is important. You know, the analysis have been been here for quite some time, and 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 you know, I uh, I think that's important to me. Do you have any um, brothers, sisters? I have two older sisters. They're uh, ten and eleven years older than I am. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. all right. And they 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 live all we all live here in Merced. Really? And and what about your family? Like children, grandchildren? Yeah, I have, I have uh, six children total. I'm a, I have a blended family. Uh, they range from 28 and as young as seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a grandson that turns two in three weeks. And oh, wow. I have another uh, grandbaby on the way. Nice. Wow. Yeah. And they're all in Merced area? We're all, yeah, we're all here. I have, my oldest daughter actually lives up in Lincoln. Uh, which is up there by Sacramento, and, oh, yeah. and yeah. you know, she, all my kids have gone through the Weaver School District. You know, the ones that are adults all graduated from uh, Golden Valley High School. You know, my son played football there. You know, and and, and uh, yeah, we've been, we've been here. We're here, you know? right? Like connections run like yeah. hella deep, like real deep yeah, within. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have my, you seen? Right, my, my kids can't walk anywhere, or go anywhere without saying, "Hey, aren't you Jesse Arnalis' kid?" or "Aren't you Council Member Arnalis' kid?" Yeah, you gotta love that. Like, <laughs> so, what have you seen in the last, like, since you've been in Merced? Like, what, what, are, what's your view? Of, like, how has it grown? How's it, how's it not grown? Like, how has it stayed stagnant? Yeah. So, you know, that's a lot. Of, that's that's a that's a hard question to answer. Right. To being, I've, I've been here for so long. You know, I, coming here at eighteen. You know, I I was uh uh. You know, I was really pr- projecting the trauma I had lived through through my childhood and my teens. You know, I was uh, I was an incarcerated youth. You know, at 16 years old, I was uh, locked up for a while, and you know, and I remained in the system for quite a lo- quite a long time. And um, you know, the 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 resources or the lack thereof here, 
at that time, you know, like, you know, this community wasn't equipped to help somebody that had the trauma that I had, you know, and, and so, you know, like, I didn't really know what was going on in the community or even um, noticed, you know, the the infrastructures and the resources that were here, really, um, because I couldn't get off the block. You know, sure. I, I was I was stuck in a four block radius. And that, that's basically what my whole life revolved around. You know, I, I remember, you know, as as a as a as a young person. You know, hanging out in Yosemite Parkway, or even when I was living in Planada. You know, my family actually originates from Planada, right? And and uh, being being out there and and um, you know, seeing people go to the Yosemite, I, uh, you know, from other countries, um, Yosemite might as well have been Korea, you wow. know, for me. Like we, yeah. we, it wasn't. It was nice something that we went to, you know. But sure. it, you know, a lot's changed from 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 now until then. You know, it just. Uh, has taken a long time you know like we got a university now and mm-hmm. and you know just like you know yosemite was as far as korea to me um you know sometimes uc merced is as far as korea to the young people that are living in this community still you know and so like ha- has it changed yeah you know like that's that's the question you know like has it you know and in some regards it has and and others you know it hasn't or, yeah, or, or did we put like a, a bow on it, right? A yeah. fancier bow. Because I moved to Merced from Arkansas in 2004. I think it was 2004. Like right out, I got out of college, right out of college, and I moved right. here. Um, and so I kind of was coming right when the UC was breaking ground. Like So I've seen it kind of develop from that end. But yeah. So that I think that's always the question is how much – like there's so much investment going on within the community, and everyone keeps talking about – you know the the how bright the future is sometimes, but right. but as far as like some communities, I don't know if some communities just within our county are actually changing. If there's still a lack of access, right? Yeah. Well, I I think the UC coming to Merced kind of changed the game, and and yeah. in, in regards to like the, the impacts that the community has has been feeling. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the poverty feels different now with the UC. You know, the 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 poverty was a lot different before. It was just people were just poor. Yeah. You know, sure. lack of resources and and. And now with the UC being here, like the 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 UC is the is for some the reason, but for some the scapegoat of mm-hmm. why we're going through that we're going through. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been there's, there's an obvious uh, negative impact that the UC has had on the community in regards to uh, access to housing, mm-hmm. right, and as mm-hmm. well as um, employment. You know, there's a, a workforce here, you know, that that became competition to people. Um, that have been living here for generations. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it's not fair to either side, right? And sure. but it, but it, it's but it's something that you know, like we've had to navigate. People that have lived here for a long time, and it's you know, and, and they're young, and the you know, the young people, those are young people, right? You see, Merced. So I'm not trying to villainize them at all because they're trying to survive too. Yeah, and you know, in, in a new adult world, uh, in, in, a, in a in a community that's that's different to them, you know. So like, I understand they got to do what they got to do to survive, and you know, but that's it's it just. That's like a, something that 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 we're having to as a community together with them figure out. Yeah, you know, and how and how different, you know, because to me in my mind is always like so the UC came in and they kind of they kind of brought a lot of what they brought. How different is that for like 
in your opinion when like the when castle was here when the air force base was here right like right. you know because because uh my dad was my dad was air force he was the first place he was stationed was actually castle right and he talked about it but then you know that dried up that left and what did that kind of do to the community when that when that left and then the uc kind of then kind of came in yeah, well, you know, with 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 Castle, with the military base, you know, they basically they, they take up space, they do what they do, yeah. and, you know, until they couldn't do it no more, and they left. Yeah, right. You know, the, the generations survived off of the you know the economy, the the economic benefits that the base provided, right? And it's which is like really blue collar jobs, you know, those 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 type of things. Uh, a UC doesn't really provide those same uh, opportunities for a community. Right. You know, they're more in, in regards to academia and uh, the, the infrastructural needs that a UC provides. Right. And so yeah. and they have, and, you know, the UC is a uh, is a stronghold in the state. They have their yeah. own, you know, systems and agencies that provide all, all that support. Sure. It's like, yeah, they're their own kind of completely different entity. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so you got so. So why did you get involved and. Yeah. you're you're involved in a lot of work so let's just yeah. start one with like nonprofit work right okay. like why did you get involved in the work that you do now and what's well, not what, non-profit you know i'm formerly incarcerated you know, i was a, an incarcerated youth and an adult you know for for several years in and out of the local jail system here as well as you know i was you know i'm a recovering addict and i was you know system and gang involved and so like my opportunities aren't a lot, even with you know an education, even with having almost 15 years of uh, of abstinence from you know mind and mood altering substances, like the stigma of of my experiences are still there. Uh, the nonprofit sector kind of has embraced me and my experiences, you know, and so that, that that's why I, I I have chosen you know to 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 stay com- committed to working for you know community based organizations. Uh, I work for Youth Leadership Institute, and you know they've. Uh, um, it's been interesting, right? Because like, I, I really started my you know my work in the community as uh, as the one of the founders of the local Brown Berets that are here in town, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's it's militant minded, um, you know, with, with a lot of structure and and a lot of like pushing back on 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 systems and the status quo, mm-hmm. um, you know. During my time, you know, I'm still am a brown beret, but like what I learned early on, because in my childhood and my neighborhood that I grew up in, there was elders of the Chicano movement, right? And they told me that if you identify as, as a Chicano, which I identify as a revolutionary uh, Chicano nationalist, right? And so that means it's not just a cultural identity, it's a political identity. And so, like every everything that I do, every step that I take on this earth is supposed to be for the betterment of my people, you know. And so that's really at the root of why I do the work that I do with with YLI, and 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 why I've like I've, I've uh, taken on positions like city council member. I've I've also been a school board member for two years uh, prior to my uh, involvement with the city of Merced. It, it's that that's why it's because my identity is a political identity and and. The, for someone to call themselves a Chicano or a Chicana or Chicana X, whatever you know they want to use, um, it comes with an obligation to serve in your community. And and could you maybe elaborate on that just a little bit more? Like like where does that originate from? Like where does that come from? So like, the Brown Berets were, had had started you know in, in around 1969. Uh, the the term Chicano started 
uh, a little bit before that, but the 19, in the 1940s, it was actually used for a derogatory term towards uh, brown folks that were really, you know, the the, the offspring of, of uh, migrants that have come from Mexico, Central America, and South America. Um, you know, there it was a, a term that they called considered Americanized, and you know, and uh, you know that that generation of the 1950s and 60s kind of took it over and, and claimed it as a, as a political identity. You know, and, and, um, like my dad taught me that identity, you know, that that's what, we're, that's just what we are. Like we're, we're, we're too Americanized to be Mexican and we're, we're too Mexican to be everyday Americans. Right. Yeah. And so like, you know, that, that was a, a term that was a cultural identity that was created by us for us. You know, and, and and it's something I teach my my kids too. So it's like so, just really like just like a legacy, like deeply ingrained, like yeah. you, your family, like this kind of, yeah. and so all that kind of has, has like dictated like the work that you kind of found yourself into right now. Yeah, I I really embraced it, you know, because even early on, you know, in in my youth, you know, my my dad would tell me like like you got to stand up for people. You know, one of the three components of being a Chicano is you serve, observe, and you and protect, right? And and that could look in, in many forms, right? Sometimes it's it's education, educating yourself on how systems operate. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. school system, uh, the political systems, you know, the healthcare system, you know, and and then in doing so, you you're able to help others who really can't help themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe they're first generation. Uh, folks from Mexico or Central America in in this in this land navigating systems that they don't understand, but because I have experience in it, it it's my obligation to, to help them. You know, and so there's a there's there's a few of us here in, in town that that follow that that kind of like the, that that creed. And how much of your work is dictated by um, being in the the legal system, like going through that, both the youth as an adult, like you know, like because yeah, I uh, see I see online, right? You do a lot of that right now. Yeah. You're you're still there doing workshops and teaching and yeah, you know, it's it's because I'm familiar with the systems and 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 I think it's more about the, the young people or just people in general. You know, they know that I've navigated the same hardships and struggles that they have. Uh, there's a commonality in that. You know, there's. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, they trust you like yeah they, yeah you know and, and they know that i guess some people consider me somebody that's that made it out you know and but i don't really like i still live in the hood <laughs> you know like i still got the same friends that i was sometimes some of the ones i was incarcerated with still you know yeah. that i'm still friends with you know and, and i just you know figured out a way to start making better decisions in my life that uh you know it's it's one thing to, to be in a system where that oppresses you um, but it's also another thing when you're a part of the problem, your own problem, getting in your own way, which I was doing, you know, and, and um, but yeah, they, they see that there and, and that, that, that aspect of me and, and um, be, because of uh, uh, I make myself accessible to them, uh, they reach out a lot and, mm-hmm. and believe what I have to say. That's, and so is that part of your YLI work or that's just something that you do? Like That's just is my, it a, my purpose in life. Purpose? Yeah. And so like I, I'm lucky enough to work for an organization and to be part of things that align with my purpose. Yeah. You know, my, my purpose is, is, you know, to, to help young people um, get them ready for the world. Um, you know, and in, in essence, you know, prepare them for 
you know, for like if we ever get the opportunity to really feel what liberation feels like, yeah. you know, liberation from an oppressed system, um, liberation from, you know, your own self, you know, from self. Yeah. And what are some what are some issues that you're currently, you know, really focused on or what that you're tackling right now? Or um, so I don't know. It, it's it's kind of all over the place. You know, I've my my work right with YLI. I'm doing a lot of work with the, with the, um, juvenile justice involved mm-hmm. youth. You know, the young people that are involved in, in the justice system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going into the juvenile hall once a week. Uh, doing a program there we're, we're going to be making the zine um you know and and just holding space with them right and it's, it's been a pretty cool experience it's, it's our first cohort there um and that, so that work has has kind of got me involved with um like the local juvenile justice system the resources that are that are meant for them uh, you know paying attention to whether those resources are actually making it to them or is it you know paying for the salaries of the higher ups in the departments you know that you know those type of things yeah, right. I'm, I'm paying attention to um you know like the the protection and, and safety of our lgbtq youth right is, is really big in my organization mm-hmm. um you know are they getting the resources that they need uh, to be healthy and to live with dignity you know, yeah. and, and, you know, we have a, a, a team, you know, here that's that's focused on 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 that, you know, and uh, most recently, you know, we've been, we've been asked to partner with uh, with BHRS uh, to, to develop a, a youth wellness drop in center that with the intention of serving, you know, the Latinx community. Right. And so it's just that kind of stuff, just making sure that that, re, that young people have the, have the resources that they need to really survive, you know, and- why don't they like like i don't know some some is, is don't it they? Is, yeah i mean i, yeah, I get I, the, the systems right like we're not throwing i don't know if we're necessarily throwing money in the right obviously <laughs> right in the right way towards I, I mean like my my feeling and belief right is like there is a a a law enforcement you know political power machine here in merced county um that has figured out a way to uh just really suck our local budgets dry Hmm. You know, the police department, you know, it gets a huge amount of, of, of dollars, right, to to operate. And, and uh, the county, you know, they throw all kinds of, of money towards the sheriff's department and 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 uh, the incarceration of people. Right. And, and not enough resources going to help, you know, close that pipeline to incarceration. Right. And, and you know, I, but at the same time, you know, they've really have created an industry on poverty, you know, and managing poverty, not so much ending poverty and the impacts, but managing it. So it's really not in their best interest to, to, to make moves and to fund things that are going to basically kind of shut down an industry that they've created. And it's not just Merced County. These are counties throughout everywhere. Like, cause that's, so my thought always like, my thought is always like, okay, so let's let's figure out some of this stuff in a way that like the systems are broken. But then when you start like really going into it, it's like, well, not this system's broken because this one's broken because this one's broken, and because at the very end of the day, it's well, it's because this person wants a lot of money, right. and if they keep everything the, the way that I they mean, want to keep it, that's e- even the the nonprofit system, yeah, yeah. right? Is a is a, is a po- mm-hmm. part of the poverty industry, mm-hmm. po- sure. poverty serving industry, right? It, it, like if. If we were really effective in doing what we we're doing to end poverty, we our goal should be to work ourselves out of a job. 
that is the I say that about yeah. even internally right now staff over the last years like that that should be our end goal like yeah. here even at United Way our goal should be let's work ourselves out of a job we should not have to have a job and that should be issued and like why don't we have and it's frustrating sometimes to me is why don't nonprofits in my opinion uh, get together more often right. to talk about these issues, but talking about them in a way that can be beneficial and not talk about them in a way that's all like, we're competing for funding all the time, or right. we're like, this is what we're doing. And that's what I see a lot is we're all competing or it feels like we have to compete. No, it, it is. Well, cause you know, they, they like <laughs> foundations and funders and agencies like to dangle that carrot, mm-hmm. sure. you know, for to us. Right. And, and um, like, are they doing it intentionally to cut to cause, you know, uh, tensions to be high within organizations. I, I don't, I don't want to believe so. Yeah. But right? but like that's like a tactic that the government did on on you know, uh, revolutionary groups in the sixties and seventies, right? To just to to make them work in silos, to make them infight, make them not trust each other, and, and to make them think that that they didn't have allies, right? Yeah. And and mm-hmm. but we do, you know. I I, I think here in Merced. We're so few. Our nonprofits are so few. I think we we, we work okay, okay. We, there's definitely room, room to do better, right? <laughs> yeah. But like we we tend to stay in our own lane. You know, I I know I, my org is the is the exception because you know we're almost almost the only youth serving organization um, that does the type of work that we do. Mm-hmm. You know, and but like we definitely want. I definitely see the need for more partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, young people won't be taken serious until the adults catch up and and say you got to listen to this young person. Mm-hmm. It's usually the opposite. Mm-hmm. It's usually telling young people you got to listen to me. Yeah, you know, and and so like until that narrative change changes, you know, um, you know, we're, we're going to keep doing what we do. Well, and that's you know, you know, sitting there listening. You know, you read the paper, you you know, listen to like you know talk radio or or the worst like a lot of the the, the talk news stations or whatever but yeah. then i then i'll just talk to like my 15 year old niece right and she's got it down and then she's all like yeah we don't have issues with this like this is not issue you know this is stuff in, the, in her mind that yeah. old people have issues with and as soon as those old people are dead <laughs> it's gonna go away then it's good well the, the work has become a little bit easier that's, right. that's what in her mind is how she's thinking right it's all like once all the old people are dead then we're not gonna have these these same problems that i'm having right now and then we're gonna be the old people <laughs> yeah yeah, I'll exactly. be a dope old person. I don't right? know about you guys. <laughs> right? I can't. I'm, I'm going to be at least very kind. I'm going to. I think right. I'll be a little more understanding, and I'll be. A, I'll be a cool old person at this point. I'm already an old person, that's so <laughs> uh, you know, I'm fine. It's everything's fine. I think that's though. Like, that's a, generations do that, right? Mm-hmm. So they they move from, hey, everything's going to be fine when the ne- the last generation is gone, and then they get there and they they realize that. You know, the problems um, that they have in many ways are parallel or in some ways are, are worse, right? Because of what was left behind them in your work with youth, mm-hmm. you know, what do you see as what, what breaks that cycle? How do we how do we successfully usher this generation into a place where they can have impact on the future? I, mean, I know how how like my program coordinators, my how my team does it, right? My team, you guys actually should, be, should interview my team. There are some dope young people, right? Uh, they do it through political education and, and, and cultural enrichment opportunities, mm. right? So they basically ra- they're radicalizing young people through education, 
political education. They educate them on how systems are run. Run. So when they're when there's housing coalitions going on or budget meetings going on throughout the nonprofits, we have young people that are there, awesome. and and they're preparing them beforehand. So when they go into these spaces, they know what they're talking about. You know, and so and so that it's that's like the 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 pedagogy of the oppressed. Yeah. You know, the, the like that book, right? And mm-hmm. and that's what they're doing. They're doing that work with young people, and so there's there's a, a confidence that happens to young people when they've been educated politically. That means in the confidence, you know, you'll see when they show up to city council meetings and they're taking up space boldly, uh, loud and proud, and and it's making that older generation of like you know mostly white folks right mm-hmm. uncomfortable, right? They're 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 laughing at young people for using the their um, they're not even preferred gender pronouns number. They're affirmed pro- gender pronouns. Mm-hmm. Those are the they're telling telling a generation of people this is how you're gonna address me, right? And and that just never been seen before, yeah. right? And and like I I applaud that. I I even if I wasn't working for a nonprofit, I believe young people need to find their identity and who they are, whether it's culturally or or uh, you know through the gender lens, right? Like they, they need they need that. But they're they're being built up their capacity politically, um, and at the same time, uh, we're using our indigenous ceremonies as an organizing model. All right, so we're we're holding, you know, several, you know, I call it, for for funders I call them cultural enrichment opportunities. But really, yeah. you know, we're holding Dia de los Muertos. Right, the the, the functionality of Dia de los Muertos, for one, is it is giving opportunity for young people to process the trauma that they face for losing loved ones, but it's bringing out community to, to have access to our, to our, our, our traditions and our practices. We always hold them. Well, not always, usually hold them at McNamara park. That's the heart of South Merced. So when they're hearing the drums come, going on, people, the, the people in the community are coming out. Then that's, that's when we start mobilizing the people in the community. Right. And so, you know, and, 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 and that's what it takes to, to change that narrative. Right. Our, our political education is anti-fascist in nature, uh, and, and it really pushes, uh, you know, living healthy and 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 with honor and dignity, mm-hmm. you know, and and so like that's 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 to me that's the blueprint of of having 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 to change a a, a generation. Um, I just wish we were able to do it, you know, at a, at a wider scale, you know. But we do, you know, our we 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 serve. Probably say at the last report we did it was up to seventy five young people a week. Wow. Oh wow! You know, either in schools, uh, in a facility, and then in the office that we have right here. And wow. what's preventing you from from scaling, well, like or increasing that? Um. Well, the social norms of young people. Mm-hmm. You know, not every young person is ready to have those conversations. You know, like, uh, you know, we're 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 in a. In a in a generation, like we have no idea what it's like to be a young person in 2023. No, you know, um, we have no idea what it's like to be a young person in South Merced navigating that there's things that they're navigating. Um, some of them are their, their fault. And some of it's not their fault, and, you know, and, and, and so like, you know, but nonetheless, they're navigating things that we have no control of, you know, whether it's, it's, you know, access to, to things that are harmful to them, uh, or them participating in things that uh, they shouldn't be doing by their own free will, you know. Either way, they're being influenced. There's there's social impacts, right? That are, that are coming to play, 
and and you know we need to handle the you know I guess people call them the, the social determinants of health, mm-hmm. right? And it, and it comes it comes down to, to that, right? Like we need to be able to address those to to lessen the the harsh reality of of living in in communities like like we have here. Hmm. What do you have? So I. As I've been sorry, I'm trying to phrase frame my thought. I blank. I mainly I asked you because I blank just now because all of a sudden I'm like I haven't really slept in a week, so I'm all like yeah, baby. I'm like wait a second, and then my mind just slowly like trailed off for a second. It's good. One of the things that I hear you talk a lot about um, is identity, finding your identity, and then helping other people discover their identity and purpose, right? You, you know, you finding your, you talk about how your purpose informs everything that you do in and outside mm-hmm. of work, right? As you're working, especially with young people, but with anybody in general, right? I mean, for all of us, right? That's the thing is how do I establish my ident- identity and when do I discover what my purpose is? What, when did it happen for you? When did you say, this is what I do? This is my purpose. Man, you know, I, I was, you know, I was raised you know to have this identity right and and uh you know i I lost my way for for a while um you know doing drugs and you know just doing the things that i was doing and getting incarcerated homelessness and everything right and and uh i remember i could uh i'd gotten a phone call you know i was i wasn't doing too good i had gotten a phone call from a childhood friend you know his, his name's leandro uh, he was my best. He was my best friend throughout childhood, and he's still one of my best friends now. Uh, I grew up with him in, in Whittier, you know, and, and he had called me. This was, probably happened like sixteen or seventeen years ago. It was it was a, a, actually a, a very powerful moment in my life um, that I'm gonna share with you. Um, I got a phone call from my sister. Uh, I was like, you know, I was under the influence, right, and and didn't really pay attention to you know. She's like, yeah, you no, know, Leandro called you. He wants to, you know, he wants to, he wants your number. He wants to, he wants to call you. Oh yeah, sure. Give him my number. I didn't know what she was talking about. She was talking about somebody who, who was like looking for something, right? And and uh, uh, I was like, hey, give him my number. And I and then the phone rings like twenty minutes later. You know, hey, can I speak to Jesse? You know, this is Leandro. Yeah, this is Jesse. What do you want? What you need? You know, I was like, you know, I was gonna hook him up. Yeah. You know, I was like, what do, what do you need? What do you want? Quit playing around. Let's go. No, man, like, this is Leandro, man. We grew up, and, you know, he named the street that we lived on, you know, who my family was and everything. And he's like, I know you. And I was like, I, I don't I don't know you, man. Who the hell are you? Yeah, remember my, my sister and so-and-so and so I go, man, I go, you don't know me. I said, you might have known me, but you don't know me now. You know, and, and uh, you know, and, and um, he said that, uh, him and his sister had been looking for me for a couple of years and they had paid a private investigator to find me. Wow. But, uh, he said that I was, you know, it, it totally messed me up and he, like he emotionally, right. And he told me, he goes, he goes, yeah, you played such a big part of my life. I did. I, like I had to find you. And I was like, you guys did all that for me. And I'm like me, I was like, man, I've been messed up for how many years? Like I, I toured this total, you know, like I'm, I'm on the ride warrants for my arrest at that time. Like, he goes, man, he goes, that person you knew isn't, isn't, isn't around no more. You know, like I'm no longer that person. Right. And, and, uh, you know, like that was really like the beginning of my, of the end for me of living that lifestyle. Uh, a couple months later, I got locked up for the very last time, got introduced to recovery. Um, 
And so I, I mentioned that because like you asked what did it for me, right? And it was that it was the start of that process, right? It wasn't like I just woke up one day like, okay, I'm, you know, Puro Chicano power. It, it was never that, right? As, and then I, I started finding myself again. And, and um, you know, I, I worked the 12 steps of, of Narcotics Anonymous, right? And, and uh, uh, started getting moments of clarity. I started remembering, damn, I was, damn my dad used to tell me this, you know, and oh, my old neighbors used to say that, and, you know, and I, I went to college, right? And and then I, I started remembering, you know, being introduced to Brown Berets as a young boy, you know, and, and, and going to car shows and going to Aztec ceremonies and with the Aztec dancers, the feather, I started mm-hmm. remembering all that, right? And, and um, simultaneously, I'm working these steps, you know, and... and it started talking about, you know, you got to make an amends to your community, right? And, and step seven, step eight, right? And, and uh, I, you know, and I, I put my community on the, on that list. And then in step eight, it's like where you take the action, right? Of making the amends. And I, I all, all I did was Google, you know, Brown Berets and a website popped up and, you know, and, and I contacted them and, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, it, it, that has it turned into something way bigger than I ever uh, dreamt about. You know, um, it's, it's given me opportunities to to, to find myself in, in a way that, um, in in a way I didn't know I was missing. You know, and and, it, and it's led to you know a way for me to like have a family, uh, be a part of a community, whether um, they like me or not. You know, like it's 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 become you know a a, a good thing for me. You know, and I th- and I think it's benefited a, a lot of other people. Um, but I just embraced it. You know, like going to college, learning that that there was uh, social factors that were interfering in my life that added to the hardship that I was going to. Because I was always told, like you're always told, oh, you're just a piece of shit. You you do drugs because you're just a bad person, and you know they put that stigma on you, and it's ingrained that you that you're worthless, right? And then learning that there is systems of oppression uh, going on, interfering with with my betterment, you know, it it, it upset me, and I, that that's when I, I I was like, you know, I I I have to do something. I have to learn how to do something, and it, you know, it turned into forming a little group where we just monitored police brutality into something that that. Um, you know, it's gotten a lot bigger than that. Thank you so much for, for yeah. sharing that story. I just want to, I just want to reflect on something. Yeah. Um, it took someone else finding you, literally yeah. finding you to start you on the search to find yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And it took that, that moment of love to seek you out, mm-hmm. uh, for you to realize that you were lost. And now you spend your life looking for the people who are lost. Definitely. And I think that's yeah. really, really yeah. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, that was, you know, when he called me, I was at the worst of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, it was, it was like 16 years ago, you know. That's, yeah, that that's incredible. I mean, that's really powerful. Like, and it's like, you just seem to have like such this incredible sense of service to, to your community, to, to people around you. Like, you know, you know, how powerful is it like to, to break down 
especially for the youth, right, in our community, how powerful is it to break down these stigmas, to, to dismantle these, these barriers, provide more access, right? Because, you know, what I see is that there is a severe lack of access uh, for a variety of programs still uh, within our community. Like, how powerful is that to, to be able to be able to provide more of that to especially the youth? I don't know. I haven't really thought of it in, in that sense of it being like feeling powerful. Like I, it's, it's just more, I, I kind of, it's what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know, like I just kind of, that's just what my purpose, I'm supposed to do that. Yeah. You know, like I'm I, it not even just me because of like of my political identity, right? Like we're supposed to be like that, you know, that that's how we're supposed to be without the interference of, you know, some people will call it colonization or, uh, you know, the social norms, but we're, we're, we're humans are collectivistic in nature. Right. You know, we've been forced to, to be individuals and to look out for self at, at the root of us, at the root of you two inside of you, yep. we're it's to care. Yeah. You yep. know, that's what we're, you know, we're, that's just the way we're supposed to be. You know? And I know, cause you've talked about that too, right? Yeah. It's like that, this kind of, collectiveness of this yeah yeah and well because i've always thought right that the the further we progress as a species or whatever else um the more we move towards the individualistic the more we leave behind the things that make us human definitely and you're calling us back to our humanity yeah we need to yeah exactly not you're not you're not drawing us into something else or something that that's foreign to us you're trying to bring us back to ourselves and that's so impactful and you're doing it with ancient systems you're yeah. doing it with traditional systems but, so powerful so we we all have a genetic memory we we have ancestral dna yeah you know at, at, at inside of us or is an indigenous beginning right whether it's from europe somewhere whether it's right here in north america whether it's in africa mm-hmm. everybody has an, an indigeneity about them right right and and you know we there is a philosophy that, that I follow. It's called la cultura cura, culture, the culture cures, mm-hmm. right? So that means when we sit in circle, when we burn our medicine, when we play our drums, something gets signaled inside of us that reminds us who we are, hmm. whether we like it or not, you know? And and so like, and, and to prove that, right? Like if you go home tonight, think of your grandmother, think of a food that your grandmother cooked and cook it and tell me if that smell does not trigger a memory inside of you. Right. And, and, you know, like for me, my grandmother used to fry hot dogs all the time. When I miss my grandma, I will fry hot dogs and I will burn it or I will burn corn tortillas on purpose just so I could smell it. And it'll remind me of a time where my life was really good. Yeah. You know, that's that's what gets triggered inside us when, when we burn our medicine with sage, copa, cedar, things like that. You know, and, and like every continent of indigenous people had that, you know, and, and that's what we need to get back to. You know, if you want to, if you want to survive everything that's going on out there, capitalism and uh, individualism, materialism, like we're not going to do it uh, with, you know, we're not going to survive it separately. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, like, you know, like when I, when people ask me what my pronouns are, I always say us, we, yeah. right? Us, we, because I am not an individual. You know, it so happens I live in a community where people will use pronouns like he, she, they, them. I go, but I use us, we, because I've never done anything alone. Hmm. You know, I'm, I am a part of a circle. I'm a part of a community and a part of a people. You know, so I'm, I, you know, white supremacy and capitalism has tricked us into thinking that we're just one person. You know, and it, and, and it's so damaging, especially to men. 
You know, men think they, they, they have no, there's no brotherhood. Men think that, that the only time they're a part of a team is when they're being violent on the football field or, you know, or, or the only time their, their inhibitions are lowered through alcohol is the only time they're close. Hmm. Right. And, and it's, it, we have prisons that are full of men because they thought they had to be a strong individual, just like there's a cemetery full of men because they try to be in, individuals. Wow. What do you have? Like, what do you see kind of like in the nonprofit ecosystem, yeah. like all over the county? Like, what are things that we could all do just better, in your opinion? Like, what, what are things that we could do to work better together, things we could accomplish? Um, I think we could hold funders accountable a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially here locally, right? Community, community, community violence is the worst in the state in, the, in our county. There's recent studies have shown, you know, per capita, like we're doing bad. Gun arrests are high. Violence among young people is really bad. Um, we need to ask for funding to um, um, to combat that. You know, like we, we need to work together to address community violence. So we're gonna we're gonna, you know, we're gonna have a, a generation of young people that are either incarcerated, dead, or traumatized. You know, and, and if if we want our our communities to be healthier, like we we need to come together to address that. Because once you know, once there's trauma involved in young people, the ripple effect of that is is horrible. It adds to more violence. It adds you know to to normalize normalization of of using you know harsh drugs. You know, like fentanyl. You know, mm-hmm. we're in, we're in a, in a fentanyl crisis right now. Yeah. You know, I, I, and that's another area I think. That that we need to to do uh, better on, um, you know, like we we nonprofits do like a lot of pointing the the finger of at the systems and the government, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't be, but you know, and and you know the the, the movement for Black liberation, uh, the Chicano movement, the American Indian movement, the Rainbow Coalition movements, right in the 60s and 70s, a big part of those that that those works that they did was self-determination you know and and i feel we need to do better as a community to address self-determination we we need to determine on 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 ourselves you know we need to to build the community infrastructures so that we don't have to call law enforcement every time something is happening so we don't have to depend on you know mental health systems here that feel like they might be failing our people right like we we have systems in place Right, you know, we have uh, support systems in place that we just haven't really tapped into. We have community spaces. We may not have a funded community space by by local governments, but we have our own spaces. Mm-hmm. You know, especially you know, like like uh, like brown folks, right? We got our soccer fields. We got our flea markets. We have places where we convene that we could set up. Uh, you know. Uh, tables with information you know we there's the that's there we could tap into it you know i think and this that reminds me i what you said earlier like no one our age older even slightly younger knows what it's like to be a youth nowadays like the the sheer access of information that they have just on like on a handheld device Mm -hmm. coupled with like even when I look at my niece, like what she has been through, the amount of trauma that maybe she's experienced both right. at home uh, uh, with other various members of uh, family, but then, you know, the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, everything happening within the schools, 
you know, fentanyl, like all of it, like I'm like, you cannot imagine. I think sometimes adults don't do this. Like we're, we're so easily dismissive of the youth and their ideas because like, no, no, we know better. And then the youth are really like, but you don't understand. You're the ones that created this yes. mm-hmm. for us to experience. Yes. Listen to us because we're trying to tell you or at least teach you how to fix it. I don't think we do enough of that. Definitely. Hey, you know, and you know, I know the young people that we work with are really good at that. Um, I know for myself, I could probably listen a lot better. You know, I, I wear a lot of different hats, yeah. you know, and, and so like sometimes the hat I wear depends on data and, and less experience. Right. But like there, there's, you know, there is a value to people in the community's experience, no matter how old they are, mm-hmm. you know, and we got to take into consideration, you know, how, where they're at, who they are and how they got here, you mm-hmm. know, and, and it's, uh, you know, the older people have a debt to pay, you know, for how they how they're leaving the world. Right. It, the thing is, they don't pay it. The younger mm-hmm. generations always end up paying it. Always. Right. Yeah. You know, the young people now are having to having to um, like look death in the face a lot younger, mm-hmm. you know, uh, their own mortality. Right. It, it, when it's not it's not fair. Life's not supposed to be like that. It's not no. supposed to be so violent. They're not supposed to have friends that die at such a young age yeah. you know it's uh, it ha- it's happening a lot more now compared to like when i was a teen mm-hmm. you know when i was a teen yeah I, I knew some people that you know that were involved in things and their lives were lost or they got incarcerated for you know a very long time you know but like now it's just so much more common you know there's young people are are, are hurt getting hurt in ways that Unfair. Getting hurt. I mean, there's a severe lack of still, and I still don't understand why a severe lack of the importance of mental health, especially right. with well, everyone. And yeah, <laughs> I still like it, it. Baffles me how people still don't think mental health is really something to be well talked about. And I know sometimes it's a cultural issue. Yeah, but uh, just knowing that that more resources need to be readily available, especially with people growing up within. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, so like my, my, you know, my dad committed suicide when I was 16, you know, he had, he had battled with mental illness most of, most of my life. Um, mental illness is prevalent in my family, you know, my immediate family. Right. And, and, uh, it's, uh, and and it's hard, you know, I think the, the easy way is to throw a stigma on it. The easy the easy thing to do is to is to push them into the margins of, of society, right? And which we pretty much have done for a couple of generations now. Uh, I think it was like the eighties when Ronald Reagan had started defunding the mental yeah. health systems, yeah. right? And and the result of it is is this now. We probably have uh, two or three generations of, of, of families that have been impacted by a mental illness that has resulted in, in you know, self-medication, right? homelessness, you know, and, and, you know, basically using uh, a state prison system as, as a take place of the mental health system, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and the results of what we have today. Well, and, the, and, and the, just going through even, you know, for me, like I've had, obviously like I've had so much, um, 
privilege in my life, but have been in that moment of a very dark place in my right. life, right? Self-medicating in a dark place. I, I talk to people all the time. It's like, look, when you're burnt out or when you're in that place, yeah. it, there's never this system of like, like, oh, how did I get here? You just wake up one day and you're there. And your right? life's fucked. And you, yeah, your, yeah, your life's fucked. You have no idea how you get, you have no idea how to get out. And then like you said, and I think this is, you know, was important to me. It's like, I didn't know who to talk to because right. I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't talk to my friends about this, right? right. I, if I'm drunk, yeah, sure. Like we'll, we'll open up, but I'm not going to talk about the, where I'm at. And just, I didn't know where to go, what to do. I just knew well, that was that, a really That's the thing about place. like the programs that, that my organization does, right? Um, you're like, people think, oh, these are just programs for bad kids or, or just programs for kids with problems. No, nah, but like high achieving young people are stressed the hell out. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. It causes them to do things and to feel things that aren't fair to them. Right. And like, we need to normalize that. We need to normalize people needing help. Like mm -hmm. it, we, like I said, at the root of us, we're a community. We're a collectivistic people. No one's ever, we, we humans have not lived this long being individuals. Mm -hmm. yeah. We we need to normalize that. Then we need to normalize, normalize asking for help. We need to normalize the access that the help. Like it, it shouldn't be a, a battle to get help. It, it it's easier for somebody to have a meltdown, have a crisis, you know, an episode out there on Main Street and get arrested than it is for them to ask for help and have a crisis team come get them. Mm -hmm. It's 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 easier to break the law to get access to help. Yeah, you know, and and, and it, our juvenile justice system is set up that way, as is our adult system is mm -hmm. set up that way. You get more access to drug treatment, mental health treatment, when you when you've been criminalized, mm -hmm. and it and it shouldn't be that we should have more more dollars going towards prevention and intervention right. than putting band aids on people after the fact. And that's I think that's I think that's what we do all the time. We put band aids on things, just sure. even like even like a state local level. We're like, well, here's a band aid. We're not really going to really talk about the the root issue. Here, here's some money to manage the crisis you're in. Right? Yeah, not end it. Yeah, you know, here's money to manage. And that frustrates me. Yeah. Like even when you talked about funders, right? Like we're we're consistently trying to look for money to manage an issue, yeah. but we're not having conversations about how to actually address this issue, how to provide more preventative care. There's like a, like an unspoken invisible tear to the work that we do. That like us as me as a program manager, you as a director, yeah. or even maybe the CEOs of the, some of the not larger nonprofits that we don't have access to Yeah, there. That's, that's, that's keeping the work from getting to that level, that next level where we, where we can really do some good. I know like there's, like groups of people that say like the only way that that we're gonna ever get to there is if things get here first like things gotta crumble yeah. before society or civilization transcends yeah. right and and yeah. I, I don't want that to happen you know i would like us to be able to 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 make a healthier community but in reality like that might be what's going to happen things might have to get worse before they get better I, and i think I think that could be very true. I think even like in a nonprofit realm, I think you have to be willing to lose some nonprofits along the way. Yeah. Like, you know, right. some people have been doing the same thing for 25 plus years yeah. and, and nothing. And they talk a great game. That's the, that's the, you know, Hey, by the way, let me talk to you about uh, outcomes and all of this. And I, I, you I, know, like as a city council member, I'm very critical on nonprofits. You should be. I'm extreme. Like, I like, why are we going to continue to fund this 
Why aren't they giving us a detailed report right. telling us what they're doing and the impact they're having in the community? Why are we just okay with giving them money? Do they need money? I know they do. Every nonprofit does. But I go, but like as a somebody that works for a nonprofit, we need to, to start doing better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, like, and you know, and, and if the funders don't want to fund us to do the work that, that needs to be done, like we need to hold them accountable. We got to tell them we need the community needs this, right? Because we in fact, mm-hmm. we're in the Central Valley, right? The, a lot of times, funders are are uh, creating these proposals for areas that are like Bay Area, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. L.A. Mm-hmm. Well, we we don't need that. We're still trying to catch up to you guys from ten years ago. Yeah, we, yeah. We still we still need this type of yeah. work funded. So so also just started a Facebook page over there. So that, that's that's where some people are at right now, right? Like <laughs> like like I'm on Instagram now, guys. Right. Like oh, okay, let's wait. Hold on a second. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. might be behind. Well, that's what we talk about too. Like yeah. us, like at United Way, one being very truthful of where we are at as an organization, mm-hmm. right? One as a worldwide organization, but also a local organization, realizing right. that we haven't done a great job, like mm-hmm. as our organization, realizing that that we need to have more of these conversations, like figuring out like how best we can fit into this 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 you know ecosystem that has a very a lot of silos right like mm-hmm. how do we break that down how do we look at how we fund how do we look how, at a network how do we do that right how do we collaborate to exactly get, to, to leverage more funding exactly yeah right and and so i think that's where we're trying to move forward too in the future is just being like look it's fine let's let's realize that that we have to start changing because it's not working and why should we in my opinion right why should we be a nonprofit if we're not actually changing things right. it's got to be more than just let's make let's make our bottom dollar to continue to move forward in this in this right so like, let's actually make change or let's work with organizations to make legitimate change in right. the community or at least work with the ones that want to exactly yeah. yes right. find that commonality that common ground and 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 where we intersect or our desires intersect and that's why I think it's like just your point of view, like just this needs to be a collective experience. And I think we need to put that in our work, not just personally, but even as organizations yeah. realize that if we want to tackle this issue, it goes beyond just our organization being able to do that. And it needs to be a lot of different groups working together. So yeah. Yeah. Do, do you have any questions for us? Like, do, you know, do you have anything that you want to know from your, your side of the table? <laughs> No, I, no. I feel like I said a lot. Yeah, yeah. no. It's definitely no. I think we got a I told lot. Told you I like to talk. That's, yeah. Hey, that's that's why we show yeah. up to listen. You know, I, and I'm not a real social person. Yeah. You know, I don't really go to a lot of like big community events. But like, if you sit me down and we have some interpersonal conversations, like I'm with it. You know, and and like I I tell my community that all the time. Like I like I may not show up to your party or your wedding and I go but if you want to go eat some tacos or drink some coffee like I'm that guy yeah <laughs> well see I love those conversations more right because yeah. I th- like sometimes when you're in the middle of like going to like the big party or whatever it's all like hey let me tell you the let me tell you the 30 seconds that I have with sure. you to be like this is what I'm doing I'm like I like a little more personalized conversations yeah. just to be like what is happening like let's figure it out right it's fun good all right anything no, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out with us today, man. It's, yeah, it was great. It's yeah. been an Any, absolute like, yeah. Hey, I, I encourage you to like, if you ever get a chance, like, reach out to my staff. Yeah, you know, the, the, my staff is is definitely the reason why my organization is doing big things. You know, the, their mindset, their hard work ethic, you know, and and their you know centering the needs of young people are are really the. Uh, the 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 secret sauce to the our manula that we got going on down there. Awesome.